This week's episode of Denver Diatribe is brought to you by Free Speech TV. On television, the internet, and radio, Free Speech TV inspires viewers to become civically engaged to build a more just, equitable, and sustainable society. For more information, visit freespeechtv.org, or I'm sorry, freespeech.org. That's freespeech.org. Denver, city weather, intoxicates me with its sunny afternoons. Hello, and welcome to the Denver Diatribe, a weekly podcast of news, culture, and stuff as it pertains to Denver, Colorado, the most recovered city between Brush and Pueblo. Today on the Diatribe, we'll be talking recovering war veterans and the lack or too much of humor in politics. I'm Vanessa Martinez in the studio, in the Five Points Media Center studio with me today, our co-host Josh Johnson and our guest Michael Diawana, a local award-winning journalist and uh, documentary filmmaker. Hi, guys. Morning. How's it going? Pretty good. Um, oh, we have a couple of announcements, actually just one announcement to make. We are in the process, the diatribe that is, of uh, planning our next live event episode and it's going to be at the uh, Denver Film Center, is that correct, Josh? You set this up for us, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> on, it's on Leap Day, so it's February 29th at um, the uh, Denver Film Society's Film Center on Colfax. Yeah, and, and we'll be posting things about that and obviously talking about it uh, as the weeks go on. But uh, if you would like to send us an email, uh, we are at info at denverdiatribe.com or you can leave us a voice message at 720-282-YELL-Y-E-L-L and we encourage everybody to do that and send us their love and hates. Um, but let's get into our first topic today because, Mike, uh, thanks for being with us, by the way. Uh, Michael, you are actually one of those rare uh, species known as the uh, Denver native. Is that correct? No, <laughs> that's not really correct. No, but I've been here my entire adult life, so I guess I count. Um, yeah, I, you know, I was born in England and uh, grew up in New York, um, and uh, but Denver is my definitely my home. I love Denver. But you were here. Uh, I, I think what I meant to say, and this is what I was thinking about, you went to Manual High School. I did go to Manual High School. Yeah. I did. So that, I think that was the, the rare species that I was going after. But uh, I think that, that counts. I, I think yeah. it does. I'm I think a, if you went to Manual, if you, if you went to that high school, then you get to be part, then you get to be a Denver native. Not only did I go to Manual High School, uh, like about half of my classmates, I dropped out. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. how about that? Yeah. So. M- Mike's actually got, uh, you've, you've got some interesting stories. But let's, bef- before we talk about... Um, uh, uh, anything about Denver necessarily, because we're, we're going to be speeding through some of these topics. Um, let's get into what you are working on right now, Mike, because you've been covering, um, you, you've, you've gone into documentary filmmaking, and uh, this is kind of a, a more recent medium for you, but you've been covering um, war vets for quite a while. So can you, can you give us a, a brief history of, of what you've been doing, and particularly here in Colorado? Yeah, so in... Uh, uh 2006, I started writing a lot about war vets and uh, um, kind of chronicling their stories as they were coming home. And I made it a, a vow back then because I met some vets down in Colorado Springs where I was working for the local paper um, that I would meet one uh, soldier a week or Marine. And since then, I have. I, I can't believe it. Um, all these years later, 
I've, I can claim that I've met at least one veteran or active duty soldier or Marine a week. And how, how, about how long ago was that? That's, uh, I was back in 2006. So um, y- y- their story, the story of soldiers coming home has evolved over the years. And um, I wanted to look more at the side of the story where soldiers are taking their recovery from the wounds of war, including the hidden wounds, post-traumatic stress disorder, traumatic brain injuries, uh, but also lost limbs, uh, things like blindness, uh, taking those wounds and um, recovering from them. So um, into their own hands, taking taking it into their own hands. So uh, I've begun a film about veterans and uh, now back in 2000, boy, 2000, it's hard to believe it's 2012 already. Uh, but back in 2010, during the summer, uh, through Colorado, I rode with veterans on bicycles. And what they were doing was, uh, you know, basically healing from their wounds. And I wanted to find out, well, you know, what's this connection between bicycling and healing from your wounds? And um, What is the connection? Well, it's friendship. That's, I think that's huge. Just the friendship and camaraderie. Uh, a chance to be with soldiers without an atmosphere of rank. So they know each other's stories, but they're not in an atmosphere where, you know, somebody's the sergeant, somebody's the major, somebody's the um, colonel. Those things don't matter. Um, But also um, physically, um, there are some things. And I talked to a doctor at uh, Fort Bragg in North Carolina when I was there, and he explained um, that basically um, the body's, you know, it's the same thing as runner's high, you know, when you're running. Um, you know, your body's own opioids um, kick in. And that helps in terms of the pain management, but also just these these challenges, taking on these high hills and uh, coming racing down the other side. Um, You know, it takes a lot out of you physically and mentally. Um, but it's also kind of a metaphor for the ups and downs of recovery. So well, and you've been riding with these guys. So you, you were you riding? Were you cycling before you you started? I mean, how many thousands of miles have you have you done? Let's talk about these trips because you've been to France, right? Yeah, yeah. So I did uh, um, after Colorado, which I rode through most of the state of Colorado. Um, I uh, uh, joined them the next year, so that was last year, 2011. And uh, we went to we went from Virginia, um, from basically Washington D.C., the Tomb of the Unknowns down to Virginia Beach. It was a 450-mile ride uh, in May, and then in July I followed them through Normandy, France. We visited the sites of uh, World War II, including Utah Beach, Um, and uh, then on the 10th anniversary of the 9/11 terrorist attacks, I joined a group of soldiers, a small group. Um, who wanted to ride from uh, Colonial Heights in Virginia all the way to uh, um, uh, all the way through to Pennsylvania, and so they rode about 350 miles, and then they joined with a larger group that rode another 450 miles. So we ended up doing 911 miles, basically, which was the goal plus some. You know, like the last 30 miles, I was pretty much drunk on champagne <laughs> so, and exhausted thoroughly exhausted but it was a an amazing once in a lifetime ride i mean that ride was incredible two of the, there was an accident during the ride two of the riders uh, had to be hospitalized uh, one of them 
couldn't continue the ride because of because he broke his hip. Uh, so it was, uh, you know, was, <laughs> we have a, quite a movie on tap. So you um, you went to Normandy as well as well as the um, ground, ground Zero, the site of the 9/11 attacks. Is there an element to this that's trying to w raise awareness oh, of, yeah. of their plight? I mean, are they reaching out to local media and telling their stories? And I guess the second question is: Are their stories underrepresented? I think so. I think that. Well, I don't know. It's you talk to a veteran, you know, like you can talk to any veteran. There's a there's a million stories out there. Sure. Uh, you know, so. Um, but the part about talking about what's going on with them, you know, the post-traumatic stress disorders, uh, the traumatic brain injuries, those things, th that's new to this generation. Um, the, the guys I talked to from Vietnam uh, um, and their families, and I've met so many veterans, uh, they say they never had that opportunity to speak openly about, you know, why they had anger issues for many years, why... You know, they kept losing their job, you know, for decades, sure. you know. And it's what's been interesting to me is, is many of these Vietnam veterans are now saying, well, you know, it's because of these younger veterans who are actually openly talking about their issues that they now feel that they can start to address their own. Is that a pride thing in the past generations? Were, I mean, were you not man enough for... Um to handle it or something and that's why you didn't speak about it because you know you you hear about even back to world war one shell shock so it's not like the phenomenon was unknown it's just now you're saying that it's more widely accepted to admit to it yeah or i think it might be cultural you know okay. um yeah I, I mean one of the things i i hit on when i started reporting back in 2006 was actually that store uh, soldiers who had been deployed would talk about what they had seen when they were deployed mm -hmm. and before that that was kind of a taboo issue for reporters you know they were not like supposed to be talking about what had happened um overseas but i saw that those conversations were already happening because of social media uh soldiers were posting stuff online mm -hmm. and you know saying well this had happened to me or they had a video or whatever so i thought well you know i think the door is open to talk about what the heck went on when you were over there and then how that relates to the, your injuries. Sure. So social media, once again, is, is uh, saving the world. Yeah. Well, I, I remember that. I think we were working at the time. I think at that time, MySpace was where they were posting yep. these videos to, which was um, kind of tells you still, because I think a lot of times when we talk about veterans, um, we still think, like, for some reason, I think because the word connotates somehow old, People don't really understand that a lot of these pe these guys are, are, well, mostly men, but women, too, are very young. Very, right. very young. That's right. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're pretty much kids, most of them, um, in their, you know, bef not even in their 20s yet. Um, and then they grow up at that critical moment, you know, of your life when you're 18 to 22. <coughs> That's where they're doing their growing up, in the military, overseas, on, you know, in a in a place where there are no, really are no battlefields. I mean, there are no lines, you know. Um, maybe more so in Afghanistan, you, you see some, some divisions of where the fire is coming from. But in Iraq, you know, it can come from anywhere. So, yeah, <laughs> imagine that. Well, take us, so uh, the, the documentary exactly, like, uh, give us a little bit of a timeline on, on what you're looking at, where you are in production, uh, maybe some of the, you, you know, the, it, without giving away too much, um, 
uh, a little bit of the details so uh, you know we can our, our listeners can be looking forward to it. Sure, uh, I have a website up. It's at uh, www.becomefilms.com, and there you can see more about the film. Uh, I'm in the process now of editing. We finished all the shooting over the summer and fall of 2011. Um, I should have a trailer out pretty soon, and uh, um, it's, it's going to be pretty cool. Um, we interviewed many, many soldiers, um, and we interviewed some interesting uh, people that you might know, uh, like former Army Chief of Staff uh, George Casey, who actually rides. He rode um, like 400 and something miles and, and many, many other, <laughs> many more miles than that. Um, we saw him do a 100-mile day um with the writers uh um uh, there um, so um the film should be complete by the summer of 2012 all right well and we will post a link to your site on our uh, our diatribe blog and that is at the denver diatribe website denverdiatribe.com um uh, we're going to shift a little bit into our second topic right now. Um, the the state legislature convened this uh, this week, and it's a pretty mostly boring event for most of us. Um, uh, you know, it's like s- there's some hoopla around it at the beginning, but then it, it delves into pretty much straight politics for the rest of the year. Um, and it, it can be really difficult to pay attention to. But um, one of the things that uh, I, I was I was on Twitter the other day and and was followed by uh, a new handle or a newish handle MC Golden Dome, which is a uh, compliment to Yo JBC Raps, which uh, came up last year I think at the time that the Civil Unions Bill was going on because it was the Joint Budget Committee that actually um, that that actually where that bill died. Um, and the, in the state of the state address that the governor gave, Civil Unions was uh, one of the big. Uh, uh, points that he, one of the big issues uh, that he decided to uh, actually mention, which I thought was really interesting because that that is something that people will pay attention to. That's something that we will pay attention to. But for the most part, we don't pay attention to the legislature, right? I mean, do you guys? Um, I, I probably do more than the average person, I would say. I mean, I don't I don't know if I pay attention to it on a daily, detail basis, but um, my ears perk up when they have the Capitol report. Yeah, I, I used to pay more attention to it when I was a reporter. <laughs> All right, I'm lying. <laughs> I don't pay any. Yeah, I was just going to say, Josh, you're full of shit. I am. You are so full of shit. Um, well, I think it, I think it's kind of interesting because so these two these two Twitter handles are trying to approach this in a way that's like let's grab people's attention with some comedy, and um, it's a great time to talk about this issue because we're going through the Republican primaries right now, and there's been so much national media on. Um, it has politics. Is there a Republican slate wrote this week? Is there a Republican um, uh, political humor crisis? Um, at, at the same time, last night, Stephen Colbert decided that he was going to announce his um, exploratory committee for uh, president of the United States of South Carolina uh, with with John Stewart running his his pack. So um, I guess for me, the question is, is are we really going through a, a, a crisis of lack of humor in politics or, or is, is there something else at play? What's going on? I think, you know, I mean, it's it's uh, it, all the focus is on the, the Republican caucuses and the Republicans have never been funny. Right. I mean, they're just humorless. Even even like the pundits, they could never have a Republican daily show or 
or Colbert. I mean, the only way you can do it is have it be satirical, like Colbert is representing the right in a satirical way. It's a, it's a shame because I know many, many funny Republicans and they're just not getting the national spotlight that they deserve. <laughs> well, they take, Mike, I you think know we what need it is, to have is, a show with them because we've talked about this on the diatribe before. Uh, I, I we, think, need, we need them in here to actually do some, some jokes with us. Yeah, and I, I think Republicans one-on-one can be funny. I, I'm told George Bush was hysterical, you know, but, but it, it was something about once they get in front of a mic or in front of a, car- a, a, a camera, they, they have to represent a, a certain decorum. You know what I mean? Where, where Democrats uh, just tend to be a little more loose about that. I mean, it's, it's, they, they're, they're too image conscious or something. I don't know. The it's, Republicans are? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, what about the values, though? Do the values prevent you from, uh, you know, from making, it, a, I, you know, kind of lewd pop culture references? Yeah, I mean, it, it must. It's as, if, it's as if to make fun of the system is, is somehow to, to write it off and be un-American. You know what I mean? It's, it's you're like unpatriotic. You, yeah, you're unpatriotic. If you cross the line and, and, and make fun of it, that that you're going to be perceived by your dense, you know, narrow-minded audience as as not taking it seriously. Well, I mean, you have to take things very seriously, don't you? I suppose. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying you do. I'm not saying you do. But I think that Republicans perceive it as such. Uh, I I think so. I, I'm curious though how this is. You know, if, if these if this attempt to bring humor to the state house will will actually translate and and. I also wonder if it's um, if it's something that we really do need because you look at Colbert and Stewart and what they have done, for example, bringing attention to and educating people about what a, a political action committee is in the first place. Sure. Um, and, and especially with a younger demographic, um, you know, how is that going <laughs> to play out here? And where I mean, are you guys seeing any any signs of of humor around state or local politics in, in any case? I'm not seeing anything really. No, I haven't seen know. it at all. I mean, Governor Hickenlooper, he came out, you know, and he said the one thing that's going to separate Colorado from other states and especially Washington, D.C., is that, you know, uh, Democrats and Republicans are somehow going to get along and solve the crisis of the economy, you know. So yeah, I didn't see any humor in that, but, you know, I would imagine that at some level, there's going to have to be conversation, and at some level, because they're human, they're going to have to laugh at something. You know, I, I wish that politicians would do that on both sides of the aisle. They would laugh at some of the ridiculous things that are proposed, because every year there's something that's, you know, that every household across the state says, this is ridiculous, but somehow uh, it gets taken very seriously in the media and in, 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 you know, the, the, the aisles of uh, the Senate and, and the House. So that's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see someone say, you know, this is just ridiculous. And call out the ridiculous, because they're going to be, they're going to be ridiculous bills that, that, that are submitted. And, you know, I know that the newspapers like to play them up as very serious. And, and wow, this is, you know, this is the latest issue. But, you know why not just call out some of the stuff that's ridiculous, ridiculous? Well, I think it's also, so we've got this this governor now who, I mean, when he campaigned, both for his mayoral uh, seat and, and for his gubernatorial seat, his his campaign commercials were, were pretty funny. Like, yeah. that was that was part of his appeal and part of his draw. 
So, um, but that, that doesn't seem to be translating very well at all into the actual realm of the politics. Either yeah. that or he's trying it in some places and it's just they're not taking, people aren't taking to it. And so it becomes, so, then again, this unpatriotic kind of So you're surprised that, that how he portrayed himself during his campaign hasn't translated to <laughs> how he is as governor? I'm really disappointed, Josh, and I'm yeah. really let down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm really looking forward to seeing the, the slew of, of, of people who are going to come up and every day you know in the next election um outdo him somehow yeah you know i want my local michelle bachman mm -hmm. right i really right. i really would love to see that too right um <laughs> i th you know i think that anything that you can do to get people like myself i guess to pay attention to, to state legislature is, is good um the, so these these people that are that are tweeting um are they are they i don't want to say biased are, i mean do they have a slant I mean, are they, which angle? What, what's their perspective? Ah, uh, no, I think it, it's very sarcastic. So it's it's kind about of about everybody and yeah, everything. Yeah, it's it's more of the um the the Stewart kind of uh, approach. Right. Uh, and I, I have to I have to preface that with saying I haven't followed these guys like so closely that if something would have come out like that, I would have I would have really I would have really known. I I I mean we have right we think that they're probably on on the left side because we don't see a lot of humor if ever on the right so you're saying so that, that uh, likely if they do have something it, it it's over there it's there they're <laughs> on that side but maybe not again michael we're, we're gonna get some republicans in here and we also want to hear from uh from our listeners uh please send us an email info at denverdiatribe.com or leave us a message at 720-282-YELL-Y-E-L-L. We want to know um, if, A, you know of any Republicans, uh, funny Republicans who might want to join us on the show. Yes. Um, B, if you know of any um, uh, humorous websites or reporters or coverage of, of politics in the state so we can um, bear to actually follow it the way that it should be uh, followed. Obviously, it's important stuff, but most of us really, you know. Can be it, it it can be hard um and and from there we're going to go into love and hate because uh we we just have a few minutes this left, is really so. moving along quickly uh, is it too fast it's kind of fast <laughs> i wanted to talk more about veterans but oh well hey we we go ahead no yeah, no no, no, for no, your love. no um well i'm gonna i'm gonna start with you anyway so for my love hate for your love hate yeah okay uh, my love hate today is probably some sort of mixture it's just a general rant i'm i'm trying to uh, get a dog and you get all these people that come up to you, and, and some of them actually have purebreds, but they're, they're emphatically saying you must adopt, as if, as if I'm going to be like your proxy uh, karma collector, you know. Wait, I've been seeing you post on Facebook right. with all these dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm actually just looking for the best dog for me, um, and I found one that is actually up for adoption. And these adoption agencies... At least the, this one that I'm dealing with now, they're so strict, so goddamn strict. They like, I have to fill out an application. They want to bring the dog to my house to inspect my house. And then I have to sign a contract with them, whereas they reserve the right to inspect my house for the rest of the dog's life and take the dog back if, if they don't approve. Do you have animal abuse in your past? I don't. No, not at all. Strange. Not at all. It's and, 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 and sure I, they, they're not just singling you out. <laughs> no, you go to their website and you see it, and they have a long poem about God and dogs, and it, it makes me feel like I have to present myself as something I'm not. I'm like thinking of taking down my uh, subcommandante Marcos poster and putting up a cross. 
you know, and saying like, I'll pray for my dog every night if you leave him with me or something like that. You know, it's, it's, it's just, it's on one end, it's, it's a noble thing, I guess, to adopt a dog. And it's on another, it should be, you know, I mean, we still kill dogs that are in shelters. So if I have a decent home and I'm a decent person, like, Give the dog. Well, me. they're trying to evaluate that, Josh. Yeah, but I think that their their standards are a little high. I think there's something you're so, not telling us. What about considering a cat? <laughs> a cat, yeah. I think that I could ease more easily adopt a uh, child from Africa. <laughs> but I haven't met yes, I haven't met this dog yet. This dog's on the internet, so it's mostly like I fell in love with a woman on Match.com or something. And that's what you feel like. That's like a Russian wife or something. That it's, it's like I'm pining over this. There's three pictures in this one paragraph of this little thing. Well, you have to keep us updated on that. Maybe we should post some uh, some diatribe updates. We'll just have people follow you on your saga on Facebook. Yeah, and if anybody out there has a, a young dog, I don't need a puppy, but a young dog, year. or if they want to be a testimonial for you. Yes, testimonial. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, Michael, do you have uh, you have some love and hate for us this week? Yes, I do. I, you know, I'm not going to mention. <laughs> The quarterback of the Broncos, so we're not going to even Thank you, go I there. appreciate that. That's <laughs> just too much. Everybody's mentioning him. So, not going to mention him. Uh, you just did. <laughs> no, I, did, I didn't. Did I? Did I? No. Um, so, my love is, is snow, actually. I'm going to say I love the Colorado snow. And that, you know, that sounds pretty simple. Okay, everybody could say that. I love it. You know? Is that a field hockey team or something? <laughs> yeah, no. Good <laughs> right. Colorado it's snow. It's yeah. it's yeah. So uh, you know, I mean, it was just nice this week. We had a little bit of snow. We need snow. Uh, people complain about it, but we need the water. I hear a butt coming on. Uh, yeah, but you know, when you get out there in your car and you drive with all of these people, you know, it's like Colorado. People of Colorado have forgotten how to drive in the snow. I, I, I want to say I think it's probably that they're people who aren't from Colorado. I, I think we have a lot of new people coming to the state. The state's population just keeps exploding. You know, we're going to be at 25 billion people probably by 2021 or something like that. And, and by then we'll be lucky because there will be no more hail, which is a news story I saw this week that um, because of global climate change there's going to be no more hail in denver in the I next see that as an upside. 60 years I, i'm gonna say i see that as an there upside. are positives to global warming yeah. <laughs> our insurance rates could go down you yeah, know and, sure. and, so our, you hit- and our real estate values could go up as florida you know becomes submerged so you've got actually two loves and one hate you love snow you love um global warming for killing hail and you hate Drivers, drivers in the state. Yeah, the drivers. So, and I'll let me be specific about the drivers. Some of them, you know, the four, you know, I have the usual complaint. The people in the four by fours drive way too fast. And then the other side is some people are driving way too slow. And when you're caught in between them, you know, it's yeah. scary. It's scary. I, terrible. There, it's it is. It's it's nasty out there. Um. So my, I have a love this week. I was uh, with a friend on Wednesday evening. Uh, we went to dinner on the on Pearl Street in Boulder, and uh, there was a man. You know, there's always uh, you've always got people asking you for something on the mall, and uh, a man who was actually uh, asked us if we could spare some change for Romney, mm-hmm. and tried to spanging for Romney. <laughs> yes. Wow. And uh, I, I, I thought it was, uh, and he had a really good pitch about Santor- Santorum and, and how we, we should be terrified that Santorum, you know, could potentially be 
our next president. But uh, but anyway, I got to give love to that guy because it was really, first of all, for being brave enough to actually even think that anybody in, in Boulder ever would give you even a penny for a Republican. But um, that's uh, that's about it for our love and hate this week. And uh, if you have something to say about today's topics or would like to share a little of your own love and hate, please leave us a brief message at 720-282-YELL. That's 720-282-9355. Each week we'll pick our favorite messages and play them on the show. Uh, thanks, Michael Diwana, for coming on today. Thank and you. And thanks, Josh, for being here with me. Um, our theme music is is brought to us by the band houses off their summer ep you can subscribe to the denver diatribe podcast on itunes and google listen and say hello to us on facebook or twitter at denver diatribe for more information check out our website denverdiatribe.com i'm vanessa martinez on behalf of my co-host josh johnson and i and our guest michael dayuana thanks for listening Lord knows I'm one. that's why i'm saying oh.